This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we are recording this on the eve of UCLA's trip to the Sweet 16, taking on Gonzaga uh, in uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs of Spokane, 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 Washington. I'm uh, Tracy Pearson. He's Tracy Pearson. Yeah. Also from Bruin. Report I was gonna. Online. I was gonna see how long I would not be introduced and just see how long you were gonna keep saying Gonzaga. Trocky, Trocky Pearson. That's that's no. The way you're doing the way you do it, you say Bruin Report Online. So I would be Tracy Pearson. Pearson. Yes, Tracy Pearson. And you are Dave Woods. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other I, way to do I that. I keep it. I keep it one syllable just to avoid these, pro- these problems. I could. I could be David Woods. You can tell we're kind of in a good mood. I got a little bit of a cough, <clears throat> so if you hear a coughing fit coming on, guys, just like run from your speaker for like about five seconds, or just clap along, enjoy it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Get a nice. Get a nice little beat going. Damn, we have a lot of fun things to talk about. It's mostly we have so many fun things. Yeah, so many fun things to talk about. Uh, Pretty much all basketball, though. I will, I will note just up top. Yeah, spring, spring football starts in a couple of weeks, two weeks, something like that. What's today, Wednesday? Yeah, so in a little under two weeks. Yes, um, spring football will start. This is probably about as much football as we're going to talk on this show today. But spring football starts. If you uh, just a little promo, uh, if you want to come out and watch the team, see the quarterback competition. You can come. Uh, spring football is completely open. Uh, it's really cool. You can stand on the parking lot um, on Saturdays. They usually open up the uh, patio for uh, the Luskin Center. Um, so there's there's options. And and hopefully the monsoon we've been living with for a month will be over within uh, thirteen days. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have another experience like the UCLA Pro Day. Um, <laughs> I was I was out there in the cold watching watching drills from fifty yards away and just you know, wondering wondering about all of the choices that have led me to this point. And you know what, too, Dave, you asked me, um, what was that like last year? And I went, oh, I don't know, I can't remember. It was I don't think it was, but once I started thinking about it, even without the rain, it's the worst thing to cover. It's so bad. Because you're sitting out there standing for three and a half hours, really almost doing nothing. You're standing there. You're watching the same drill over and over again. You have no access to the times whatsoever, except for maybe what you want to, like, unscientifically record from your own video. And wait, where are we standing? Everyone else is standing standing in our way, and we're relegated to this little stuck. We are stuck with the agents in the corner of the field. Where the scouts are all in the middle of the field. They're afforded like nice little sun protection or rain protection. And we're out just standing in the northwest corner. Media Awful. is scum. Yeah, we, we really are. I agree, frankly. Um, anyway, this is a basketball show today. Uh, we got a lot of basketball to talk about. Um, so UCLA uh, made it through uh, the first two rounds. Um, UNC Asheville, they blew them out. Uh, Northwestern, a little bit more of a, a skin of the teeth, um, but that's kind of par for the course with 
even really good UCLA teams, they generally have their second round struggles. There was a pretty famous one in 95. What was that one? <laughs> yeah. Did you see there was something on some social media that Tyus Edney uh, connected with the Missouri player that was going up to block a shot and that <laughs> he said they should get together and, and talk? Yeah, I know Ben did a great story on um, the uh, the March sadness. It was the what, what's it like being the other guy in that scenario? Oh, and maybe he, that's what that's what it was. Yeah, he went and found the Missouri player, and he found the um, uh, a, a couple other guys who uh, uh, were on the receiving end of some iconic moments. I was um, in Caesar's Sportsbook. If you if you guys go to Vegas, you know, and you for a long time, and you know sportsbooks. Caesar's Sportsbook is just, it's just the best. And it was the best back then, and it still is. I was just in Vegas, obviously, for Pac-12 tournament. And I still have to do my rounds of those sportsbooks in that area. And Caesar's is still, man, it's amazing. But back then in the day, my friend and I, this guy named Vince Pecora, who will not Call me back. It, he hasn't. I haven't spoken to him in like ten years. Vince, call me. I'm really mad. Anyway, we go every year for the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament. First, uh, sorry, first two rounds. And you had to like get up early and go down there at like six thirty and and just sit there to get the chairs. And if you did that and you were effective, you were you had that thing for the whole day. And it was amazing. And I was there. When Tyus, for Tyus is 4.8, and that place was rocking. It was incredible. I bet. Yeah, it I was bet. amazing. I wasn't there. I was nine. Um, <clears throat> you, you were like a bookie at your elementary <laughs> yeah, school. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the, the Northwestern game was not, I mean, it was not of that ilk. Um, they still won by five, and it was an eight-point game with just a few minutes to go. But it was tied um, with... Uh, still a, a decent portion of the game left um i so I, i'm interested to hear your take on that game being as you were there i was merely watching uh from home but uh my big thing was i thought they i've got a, kind of a theory about this team when they shoot well in the first half and they're not up by like 25 it's going to be a pretty tough one because it seems like they then come out in the second half and they're just kind of like Oh yeah, we can just keep shooting like that, and then uh, the defense suffers. Um, and and it just seemed like they thought they had this team pretty much beaten in the first half, and then uh, foot off the gas a little bit. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if you actually like detailed that out. If that would hold up, it does. I I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I being at the game. I really noticed this, and it was one of the f few times this season where I've really noticed um, that Jaime and Tiger were gassed. They really were. Uh, uh, like f seven, uh, five to seven minutes into the second half, they were tanked, man. They were, <laughs> they, uh, and Cronin was trying to get us some time. He, he took them both, he took them out, put them on, sat them down. Tried to get him some rest. And then UCLA's defense gave up like two straight baskets. And you put them back in in like 37 seconds. Um, because, but they were gassed. Jaime was getting driven on, if you remember. And he was tired. Like the camera wouldn't necessarily show him. But I was watching him like, you know, on dead balls. And he he was gassed. And he's, they're not the type. They're, they're warrior types that have played 40 minutes in games. There was something maybe about that game. For one thing, it, it was very physical. It's a physical style. There weren't a lot of, obviously, there weren't a lot of fouls called. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know there aren't a lot of fouls called when Northwestern has to uh, foul at the, end of at the end of the game to get to the point where UCLA is shooting. Let's, um, side note for a second, because I've watched a lot of the tournament now. It's been really poorly officiated, and it's in a poorly officiated way that's dissimilar from the Pac-12. There's a middle ground to be found, but they are not calling things anywhere near the hoop. If 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 you want to completely just body check some guy near the hoop, 
during the NCAA tournament, it is not being called. But then randomly they'll do one. You're right. That's generally the trend. But then they'll do one weird ticky tack thing. These no, no, no. It'll be totally different on the perimeter. Perimeter. If you're like touching a guy, it's it's hit or miss whether or not that's going to get called. But it's like everything right by the hoop is just pretty much a free for all unless it is like insanely obvious or. It seems like situations where hands where hands are hitting arms or faces is where it's getting called, but body checking is not at all. Did, did you? Uh, While well, we're talking about refing, did you happen to watch the women's you say women's game against Oklahoma? Oh, and that's what I'm talking. That's like wow. the other end. It's such a disaster. That Why was are you the calling worst that many officiated fouls? basketball game I've ever watched. That was more than a foul a minute. Uh, not only that, and at least. 60% of them were not fouls and the ones and then fouls blatant fouls went without being called that that was a laughable uh, there was uh, there's a wow. lot of bad stuff the, there were poor, bad I feel badly for the women why I mean we complain about refing <clears throat> where the hell are they finding those refs for that yeah. for that for women's game that well and the, game. the wow. traveling call the traveling calls were horrible too I mean it was just a very very poorly efficient anyway, game but yeah. The NCAA tournament generally, it's just been, it's been very oddly officiated. It's like they got a like collective directive. Hey, nobody wants to see fouls called, but they're not calling enough. Like, and that's a weird thing to say, but I generally feel like a basketball game in the modern era, both teams should be in the single bonus with like three minutes to go. Like that's generally, I find the games with the best flow are those, um, because first if you're down, you're going to need to foul at the end. And if you're only at three fouls, it makes it actually makes it more unwatchable because you have to then watch them inbound it four times, get fouled four times before they can even go to the line. Um, so I, th- there's a there's a there's a there's an amount of fouling that happens in a basketball game, and those should be called. It shouldn't be to the extent that it is in the Pac-12. But it also shouldn't be to the to the limited extent it is in the uh, NCAA tournament so far. You know, it'd be really interesting if if refs just blatantly shot for that. If that's what they were intending yeah. to do. Let, let's just do that. I bet they would end up refereeing a game better. They should. I mean, that uh, the thing is, like, okay, no going in what types of teams you're watching, um, because I think that's also part of it. Is you have to understand. All right, is this a driving team? And if it's a driving team. You do have to, like, let some things go because otherwise you're going to be calling 20 fouls on the team getting driven on. Because, yeah, there's there's hand-checking on every single possession. Like, you could call it all the time. Just don't. Call it when it's egregious. And if it's a driving team, that's just what it is. And if it's a shooting team, you probably are a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, uh, stringent about the defensive calls against them. But, yeah, aim for, like, seven fouls. Before so, the three-minute mark. Speaking of refereeing, isn't our friend who uh, it's going down in history is like one of the worst calls ever? The offensive uh, foul called on Amari Bailey against yeah. Arizona. Uh, uh, what's his name? Tony Padilla. Tony Padilla. He's on the list for Sweet Sixteen games. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be refing this game. You're sure? There's no way they're gonna put a Gonzaga alum refing the UCLA Gonzaga. Oh my game. god! Oh no my chance. god! No chance. Zero point zero percent chance. Uh, that's, that's, I, I can't believe you're saying there's absolutely no chance. There's no way. There's no way they would do it. Um, I think there is a way. I, I, you could I just think see. Th- it, I think there you? are rules. I think there are rules about this. Okay. But I, I I can't say for certain, but I I think there are rules. Um, but the 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 important takeaway from Tony Padilla being on the list is that Tony Padilla is on the list. He's <laughs> he's one of the worst refs in all of college basketball. He's the one who gets called out for his capriciousness, his um, just absolutely insane calls that nobody even understands how you could see it that way. Because and. There was a story about the referees throughout college basketball that was like anonymous coaches, like that whole fun stuff. And they all said, you know, refing is hard, Um, you know, block charge, all that kind of stuff. We'll get mad, but we all understand it's hard to ref that. Padilla is the one where you just don't understand what he's where he's coming from. You don't understand what he's doing. 
and he'll just grandstand sometimes and decide, oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a show of it. Like he's kicked fans out of games, which is something you don't see outside of like uh, uh, like Little League baseball. Like when a when a parent gets really upset and it's obvious who it is, but he's kicked fans out of games. It's crazy. You know what? It's probably don't you think maybe there's a listing out there somewhere of the refs and their assignments for the Sweet 16 games? Probably. You'd think there would have to be. Yeah. I saw a list of all the refs, but it didn't. It didn't have their game assignments. So yeah, they won't. They won't have that. I don't think they would have that public until the day of the game. Yeah, because (laughs) there might be death threats. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Uh, in no way, other... if there's any like FBI agents listening, there was. Do not take that that I was subtly. No, no, you were not the one. You Tony were just saying Padilla's that's life. You know the passion, Please. the passion. Um, yeah. And then uh, surfer surfer ref is also going to be there. Surfer uh, ref, yeah, um, which is great. He's another horrible ref. So uh, so Dave, if you're talking about boots on the ground, when I uh, you were there yesterday. In person for the bus walk, I sure was. How was you want that? Some insight? That's you that's want some insight? that's become a thing. Yep. I'm All for right, so. for a number of years, and then last year it was a big thing because uh, Jaime Hawkes' ankles. So this year again. All right. So thing. I'm going to give you some exclusive broadcast content here. Exclusive. Okay. <clears throat> um, Mick Cronin was great. A lot of fun. Um, uh. The two guys who you were all concerned about, I, I, I'm not going to add fuel to the fire, but I will say they both arrived to the bus from out in Westwood, whereas the rest of the team arrived from inside the locker room. Like they all came out from inside the locker room. Adem Bona came up on a scooter pretty much after everyone had already loaded on the bus. David Singleton drove up as everyone was coming out of the locker room. So, you know, different guys arrived different ways. Just an interesting note. So, Dr. Woods. Yeah, correct. What's your uh, opinion of Adem Bona? Adem Bona, so if you watched the video, uh, he had, uh, he lifted his left arm above his head at one point to put his backpack strap on, and he carried things in both hands. He did not have a sling on. It was impossible to tell whether he had anything iced or wrapped around that shoulder. Who knows? But I would say the sleuthing would indicate the same sort of situation we saw after uh the organ game right where it's like well he's able to do stuff with that arm he's clearly not got it in a sling uh so i guess we'll see you know that's sort of what mick cronin said after uh or before the um the the tournament started right it's a firm we'll see um and i think that's probably the best bet for bona right now for david singleton i i mean it's a little bit easier to tell with a foot or leg injury. I didn't notice even the barest sign of a limp. Um, now, a limp isn't the only indicator for an injury. He but was dancing. He didn't look at all encumbered by any sort of injury. So I I would be pretty surprised if he's limited. Um, with Bona, I think it's, I, I think it's you know, Mick was a little bit cagier yesterday, but I think it's still pretty much in the see what he's able to do. Um, I mean, if we all, we all watched that Northwestern game and as soon as he dunked hard, uh, it looked to me like his shoulder either tweaked or popped out again. This might uh, be a time when a coach goes against his fundamental technique of dunking and say, dunk with one hand or, or, uh, do the Bill Walton, you know, do the Kareem, do the, uh, do the rules, pretend it's, uh, whatever, 1968 again. And uh, you're not allowed to dunk. You've got to just jump up. Because he can actually do this because Bona's got such an insane vertical. Jump up and hold the ball over the hoop and just drop it in. But it, uh, my, I would rather have him not even lifting that arm to where someone could come in and pound it. I would rather, I, I would rather take the risk of just dunking with one arm and keeping yeah. the other one down. Well, I think the important, uh, yeah, uh, I think the important, the, the important aspect of Bona is probably more for his defensive hedging than anything. Uh, I, he, he can lay him up. I don't care. Yeah. Um, like, d- do whatever. Um, but the most important reason to have him is so that you've got his mobility out to the perimeter um, at the center spot. Um, 
Okay, so let's talk about that because you're <clears throat> leading into how does UCLA defend Drew Timmy? Because that is a lot of what this is about. So uh, here's the in, the interesting thing for me is I've kind of talked myself into the idea, and I'm interested to hear your feedback, that Nuba's maybe a better matchup for Drew Timmy than Adem Bona anyway. Because the problem with Bona is he's not – he doesn't have the reps. He doesn't have the experience. And he is, uh, I don't want to say excitable because that's kind of uh, uh, demeaning. He plays with a lot of adrenaline. Um, and that's not, not how you play against Drew Timmy. You, you're not trying to jump up and block him out of the gym. You've got to play really sound. You got to not bite on a pump fake. You got to really, really sit there and you got to be savvy enough to sell his hooks or force him into those multi-step travels that we've all seen. And I think that's more of a job for, for Kenny Nwuba than it is for uh, a Dembona. I've, I've thought it from, I've been plotting uh, my um, approach to how I think UCLA should match up with Gonzaga all year. And no, you know what? It's, it's, just about Drew. Timmy. You haven't seen Tracy's office, everyone. It's just got charts on the on. He's got with a little he's string. Got a, he's got a picture of Drew Timmy that's just pinned to a bulletin board, um, and then it's just this. It's it's an insane thing. It's like the I don't actually hate break. him as much as everyone else hates. Him. It's he's he's it's like the Zodiac Killer. He's got the whole thing just mapped out on a board. Um, anyway, you know please. the FBI is going to be knocking on my door here after this thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I think Bona is important in this game for his five fouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to need his five fouls. Uh, I, I think he needs uh, to be physical with him um, as much as he possibly can. And he needs to, those five fouls need to be available. Because I don't think Mac Eddian can play against Drew Timmy for longer than a m- couple of minutes at the long at the utmost no i think the option if if nuba and bona are out it's jaime it's jaime uh, yeah because you'd rather have his even though he's three inches shorter you'd rather have the experience and savviness and physically he can match up it's just yeah i'd rather by far have jaime so but always have thought uh uh nuba is is the way to go um Mm -hmm. in defending Timmy, but he can't do it alone. No. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing, because this, this UCLA team is very smart in how it can sneak around on someone's blind side, slap a ball away. Um, and they've exploited that ability. David Singleton in, in particular, but you know, Will McClendon, um, Tiger Campbell, Dylan Andrews uh, have, have all done it. Of course, Jalen Clark was probably the best at it. Um, and that will be missed in this game. Uh, we should talk about that too. Uh, uh, well, I'll talk about it now. Jalen Jalen Clark is going... I don't want to scare everyone, but he's going to be missed in this game. If you look at the matchups beyond Drew Timmy, you would really like to have Jalen Clark defensively. Um, so, okay. But matching... Let's, let me just finish... Timmy off. I think they have to do some okay, things that are going to wow. that are going to surprise him. When he catch, it's hard to deny him the ball. You can really try. You can front him. You can do a lot. He he destroys people sometimes when you front him. Um, it, you can try to deny him the ball. But a lot of the <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the best defense comes Timmy after he catches it, and the timing of the double and where it comes from. Um, that's been key in limiting Timmy this season. And I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see how McCrona decides to do it with his help defense, with the double, that it, when it comes and where it comes from. And, and, and based on where Timmy catches it, uh, what part of the block, uh, how he brings it down, when he brings it down, when you bring that second guy onto him. So yeah, and, that's and that's that's a big part of how Michigan State and Baylor defended him um, earlier in the year, um, and those were two of the least successful uh, offensive games for Gonzaga. Um, I don't know in forever. So um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I think – I don't know. I think there's a few different ways to try. I think the reality is Mick's probably just going to pick one and then maybe have a secondary option, and I think you're probably right, which is Nuba doing a lot um, and then really clever doubles. I think this is a game where Tiger Campbell is going to be really essential defensively because – so one thing that gets lost with Tiger is he's he, he comes and goes defensively. He does his best work, though – generally when guys are uh, bigger than him. Um, and if you look at the matchups, he's going to have, I mean, it's not one of those insane mismatches where there's a six, five guy that he has to cover, but it's all guys who are six, one, six, two, at least. Um, but if he can double off those guys and um, slap the ball away from Timmy when he's, you know, off the catch and he's looking back to the hoop and he's looking, Oh man, I can get my left hand over Nuba. I can do my right. And then, Oh crap. That little, you know, five nine dude just stole the ball from me. Um, am I am I mean to say Tiger's five nine? I was gonna, I was just gonna let it go and not comment on it. But now that you brought it, brought it up and stopped us down, is that yeah? Mean? Yeah, he's not five nine. Uh, I'm five. I'm five ten, and I probably look eye to eye. He's he, he's he's five ten and a half. Let's say. Okay. Okay. So five nine. Yeah, that's not that's not nice. That's not nice. Not kind. Um, but I think it's going to be have to have to be a big game for him. Um, I I think there's a route also to um, dictate some things to Gonzaga. Um, if Nuba goes out with like you know, all right, say say Bona and Nuba are both available to play, but they both have two fouls in the first ten minutes, which I think is mm, very possible. Um, go small. I uh, do Jaime at the at the five for sure, but also. Bring in uh, Dylan Andrews and really, really heat him up and create some mismatches on the other end. Because Gonzaga, uh, the thing that gets lost about them is that they don't guard. Uh, this is a really bad defensive team for how good they are offensively. It's very similar in makeup to uh, that Lonzo Ball year uh, at UCLA where they just they just don't defend um, uh, very well and they don't have any rim protection. Um, I think there's an avenue here for UCLA to when, like when Nuba and or Bona are in the game, slow it down, play your normal game. When they're out, uh, throw a different look out there where you are pressing and you're interested in getting a little bit up tempo with them, uh, because you've got guys that they can't guard. Well, here's the other thing too about that, uh, forcing them into turnovers. That yes. Baylor game that was significant. They yeah. forced them in. They <laughs> uh, Drew Timmy and Mark Few even said this after the game. They they made us play at a faster pace and made us turn over the ball. Um, those are that's the way you also beat them. So what you're advocating is instead of trying to match up with them on your defensive end, because you're right. UCLA doesn't really have an answer defensively on matchups without Jalen Clark. Um, Because you've got um, Julian Strother, who is a tough matchup. And then you've got Anton Watson, who these guys are both, what, 6'8", 225 kind of guys? Um, Yeah. They're the guy who you would have Jaime Hawkes match up with. One of them. But without Jalen Clark, you can't really match up man-to-man any, anyway. So defensively, if these guys are going to kill you, I say let them score 15, 16. Just don't let Drew Timmy go off for 30. And then you get a team on the court, you get the players on the court that they can't match up with. Yeah. And, and that's the way to go because while these guys are good offensive players – usually has got some guys who can drive on those guys. Yeah, I mean, which one of these guys uh, can uh, stay in front of Dylan Andrews when he wants to drive to the hoop? Now, there there ain't a guy. Uh, and, and you know what? I'd like to see Dylan Andrews guard some of these guys. <laughs> well, that's the too. other thing is I think he could harass uh, either Nolan Hickman or Rasir Bolton into a really, really tough day. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the matchups aren't as insane as last year. Like, the, the reality is if if – it's Nuber Bona on Timmy. Then you've got Jaime probably with Anton Watson. And then it's Amari Bailey guarding Strother. And yes, 
Strother has a couple inches on him, but it's not that it's not that significant. Um, I, this is a, 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 a an okay matchup when one of the centers can play. The problem is Timmy is very, 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 very good at drawing fouls. Um, he's 18th in the country and fouls drawn for per 40 minutes. Uh, it's going to be tough to stay on the court um, unless you're not playing him very aggressively. And if you're not playing him aggressively, he's scoring a whole lot of points. It's why uh, bonus five fouls are so key. Bonus five fouls are key. It's probably why Etienne is going to have to play because he's going to have to come in and foul him. Um, and if all he does is three minutes and three fouls, that's actually not a horrible thing. Um, because the other thing is Timmy isn't a great shooter. He's not great from the free throw line. Uh, one of the best things you can do is foul him and foul him hard. Uh, you know, foul make him, him hard, get him in a little scuffle and they both get thrown out of the game. There you go. That's important. The problem is on top of everything else, he's, he's a, he's an annoying player for fans, but he's not actually that dirty or, or, that much of a jerk to the other players on the court. So he's not probably going to do that. It, he's the most annoying part of most annoying kind of heel. Cause he's just doing it. That, for the fans. that the hook kind of annoys me. I got to tell you the dude yeah, he's never going to get called on is a master hooker. He's a master, and, mass, and, master hooker. And it's, and it's, and it, the funniest thing is it's not even disguised. It's just blatantly out there. Yeah, no. And, and he really swings it. I mean, he had, there was that one against the TCU guy where he had the the elbow literally in the middle of his back. Like, it was pressing on his spine. That's how far it was. He's got really kind of long upper arms. So yesterday when you were interviewing Cronin and you you all were asking him how – I think someone asked, how, did the, how do you defend Drew Timmy, right? And he makes it very hard on the refs is what makes that. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I'm doing the George Costanza. I'm thinking about what line would have been good at that point. You should yeah. maybe said – so, Mick, you, you've got me hooked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'd love to hear what Mick thinks about those hooks. No, I think we heard it. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think working the refs is going to be also an important part of this game. Because Timmy, Timmy likes to travel and Timmy likes to hook. <laughs> that sounds like a children's book. <laughs> it does. It does. Timmy likes to travel book. and Timmy likes to hook. Um, but, so... But this could be his last college basketball game. Yes. If UCLA wins, uh, he has said he's not coming back. Uh, he could always go back on that. Year. He but. could. But UCLA could send him out, uh, which wouldn't that be just delightful. Um, but losing to this right, – so uh, uh, big picture things. Uh, losing to this Gonzaga team, it's, it's by turns both not a bad thing. Gonzaga's really good. But it would also be the worst of the three Gonzaga losses. Um, this team is more like Gonzaga of 2007 than the super Gonzaga of the last five years. Um, they are, they're really limited defensively. Um, and so it's not like the team last year and it's definitely not like the team two years ago. So, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. I wrote a story Monday about why Dave says Gonzaga and mm -hmm. not everyone is being told to say Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. And we really don't know why. I mean, I, I, I speculated there was a guy who used to work for the athletic department in the 80s who started saying Gonzaga. And it could have been because they were nicknaming themselves the Zags. I, I, I think that makes sense. 
No, I think it's because they're Cretans from Eastern Washington <laughs> who uh, who who just flatten all of their A's. That's what. Uh, so Creighton, you know the school. Yeah. My wife calls them Cretans. She can't say. It. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Excellent. She's, Where are the Cretans from? <laughs> Nebraska, <laughs> Omaha. Only only Cretans. Yes. And anyway, um, it was uh, based on a. Italian Jesuit saint and his name and I put the the actual pronunciation in there on a video from YouTube. It is Gonzaga. Yeah. How do you pronounce an A in any romance language? Ah! The British, now if you were in England, they say they'd go A on everything. Okay, but stop. Yeah. With, so the stop British right there. would be Gonzaga. Stop right there. Stop right there. <laughs> the British take delightful pleasure in mispronouncing every their own language. other every other language, every single other one, and they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, but um, but so every is, single other language they do it, it with the Gonzaga. French saga, yeah. And I think Dave, I'm giving Dave 100 percent credit here because Dave started this. He he, he birthed this. We should just really counterattack and start the trend that to make sure everyone says Gonzaga. They're the Zogs. And, and then the other thing too is <laughs> his the real his real name was Luigi. Yep. And I as I said in that story, they're the bulldogs. How do you there are some of the most common mascots in in college in D1. And Bulldogs is absolutely one of them. Actually, I did this the other day because, again, my wife, who is a basketball fan, but she loves all the trivia. What do you think is the number one, uh, the name of a mascot that's used the most in D1 basketball? It's either Bulldog or Wildcat. Wildcats is actually tied for fourth with Ooh. nine teams. Number one, Bulldogs. Damn. <laughs> Number two, Tigers. Number three, amazingly enough, Eagles. Huh. Bears is tied for fourth. Um, but Bulldogs, you named your school, you named your mascot, the most common mascot name. When you had Luigi available. You could have been the fighting the Luigi's. fighting Luigi's. Oh, my God. I would be a fan of Gonzaga. If they were the Fighting Luigi's, yep, would that would be top three or four best mascot? Can you see the mascot? Honestly, they should be the Gonzaga Jets. Uh, like a big old mustache. Oh my god, it'd be so beautiful. They could be the Fighting Jesuits. Like, there's so many cool things they could be instead the of Fighting bulldogs. Jesuits. The Fighting. How about the Saints? The Saints would be cool too. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, it's a like joke school, mustache-ass no. program, UCLA by 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well. So the other aspect of this, of a Dembona, actually, too, and I know the way all you bros out there think. I, I, you know, probably your first impulse if you're thinking that, you know, a Dembona's hurt. And it might – I mean, let, let's be straight. I, m- more than likely, a Dembona is going to need some kind of off-season something. Yeah, on that shoulder that that that's going to need some kind of surgical repair. So what's what's flashing through your frontal lobes right now, Bruin fans? A Dembona sophomore year, baby. <laughs> You'd have to speculate that it's very likely. That a Dembona is returning next year along with Jalen Clark. So can I just add an aside really quick? Because I think everyone out there has a fear mindset when it comes to NBA departures for UCLA players. And uh, there's BBS there, understandably. With good reason. Yes. Because uh, there were a lot of, especially during the Howland years, a lot of guys who left probably before they were fully cooked. Um, you know, they... they 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 stepped out of the oven not fully baked. Uh, that hasn't happened really with Mick. Uh, guys have not left early uh, for the most part. They've left more or less when they should, or even stayed longer than they should. Um, 
with now if you were not a UCLA person and you looked at a Dembona um and uh Amari Bailey you would say there's no reason to even think those guys are leaving um if you just looked at their ability on the floor and what they've shown this year a Dembona Think about Christian Coloco last year. Christian Coloco is a seven-foot-tall guy. Where did he end up get, getting drafted, Tracy? Um, first round number, can't remember. He was he was drafted with the 33rd pick in the second round. Oh, for, so that's right. First in he, the second round, right? Yeah. yeah. So he, is, he was a seven-foot-tall guy who was an elite athlete who was a block, shot-blocking monster who uh, a similar amount of polish offensively, but had importantly a minimum of three inches on a Dembona. And it took until the second round for him to get drafted. Um, there's, there's <coughs> little reason to think from a pure talent angle that a Dembona is at that level um, because of, again, he's, he's missing three inches. So there's that. And then Amari Bailey. Whoa, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. And he will, if he does have this off-season thing, he's not playing in the NBA Combine. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, even if he didn't have the shoulder, like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a reason to pump the brakes on him being like a, because people talk about it and they're like, oh, I'm watching this guy closely. He can jump out of the gym. He's like a top 15 pick. <coughs> no, no, he isn't. Not, 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 not to, not in today's NBA. Um, and then Amari Bailey, I mean. He's the one that I think it's a little bit more of a of a question mark just from like a, what he's done on the floor because he has improved so in much the in the last three weeks. In the last three weeks, but even then, okay, he hasn't shown himself to be an elite three point shooter. His athleticism is very good, but he hasn't shown the kind of explosive athleticism that you see from you know your typical freshman. Uh, one and done, and again NBA uh, guards. And on that point, Dave, like I brought this up. And uh, a media member asked him about it in Sacramento. And he was very honest. What's that? And he was very honest. Yeah. Um, Because I I had actually spoken to that media member about this. (laughs) Um, We had talked about it, that Amari Bailey was an elite high-level athlete his junior year in high school and then experienced a couple of different injuries and has never completely regained that, that athleticism of his junior year in high school, but it's coming back. And as he said, quite candidly, it's coming back. (laughs) It's not there yet, but it's coming back like that, (laughs) that dunk where he got a call for the offensive foul. He could not have done that early this season. No. So it's coming back. If it keeps coming back and he even re, gets to the point where he was his junior year in high school and the NBA sees that sees more of those of that kind of elite athleticism you know a real legit NBA athleticism I mean he's a second rounder right now right yeah I mean he'd have to really put just put on an enormous show for the last four games of of this NCAA tournament Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think if he does, then uh, everyone's going to be fine because it means UCLA's played four more games. But I think the reality is there's a lot of gold for him to mine by by staying in school. And I do mean that literally uh, because if he does regain that athleticism and he plays, you know, his 33 minutes a game next year and he's the best player on the team and also the best defender on the team, uh, that's a top 10 pick here's the thing though too uh and i i know this from a a few different sources he doesn't care about money he's not doing he's i think i've said this on on the broadcast before when he's had opportunities for nil i mean these guys get opportunities to show up at an event and they that you know they talk to a few people 15 minutes they leave and they get thirty thousand dollars he is not. He doesn't have an interest in that. So he's not motivated by money. So it's not a matter that he needs to improve the his financial opportunity of moving into 
the lottery. But it is more about um, the prestige of it, um, what's best for his his long-term career rather than the money. And and it still is it still is better contractually. It, you have a much better chance from a standpoint of sign, what contract you sign when you first get to the NBA of staying in the NBA if you're a lottery pick rather than if you're a second rounder. So it's about, I just want to really specify that. It's not really about the money for him. It's about optimizing his NBA career. So yeah. along those lines, if he's trying to optimize his NBA career and he doesn't care about the money grab, it makes sense that he would come back. Because one more year of improved athleticism, improved polished game under McCronin is going to help his the longevity and the potential of his NBA career. So that is in line with who he is because he doesn't care about money and he's not going to go for the money grab. Now, if he has a couple of couple of few more great games and you know, all it really takes is one franchise telling him you know, we'll take you 19th. And they believe, and even the smartest people, savviest people believe it and, and keep their name in the draft. So we're talking odds and cents, but like we said, so often in these cases, it's, it's the least odds, the least likely that the exception to the rule that prevails. Yeah. I guess my point is, um, the if 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 you were just a, a an alien but you had a pretty good idea about like nba draft stuff and you like airdropped into ucla's locker room um you wouldn't think either of those guys were leaving it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense so most other programs wouldn't be thinking about them departing at this point it's just so what we're implying is UCLA at this point has a very decent chance of returning Jalen Clark. Now let's say doesn't get Jalen Clark until November, December, or it could be earlier. We really don't know the, the extent of the Achilles tear rupture. Uh, Adem Bona, let's say he's out for four or five months. He's, he would be back in time for uh, the start of practice in October. And Amari Bailey. Um, there's there's a, there's also the chance that Tiger Campbell could return. We're, we don't know. We don't have information either way. There has been no one who has absolutely said, He's absolutely leaving. There are people speculated that said he's leaving, but that's it's one hundred percent speculation. But let's just say he does leave. But you have Bailey Bona and Jalen Clark returning. Just, just dang, <laughs> dang. I, I mean, and then you say he would be able to go out. As I've been telling you, there is an international player that UCLA feels it's doing really well with who would have an immediate impact. And there might be another international player that UCLA would have a very good chance of getting. And then they'd go into the transfer portal. That's a lot. So... Wow, if you're really thinking about this, let's just let's just get into it. I mean, uh, Dylan Andrews is point guard, starting at the point guard. Uh, mm-hmm. Mari Bailey's at, at the shooting guard. Uh, Bona returns at center. Yep. Um, Say Jalen Clark's back by November. Jalen Clark's back by November. You have a transfer or international player somewhere in there. Yeah. Anywhere from being a guard to a big wing. That's all I'm going to say. You know, could be a post player. <laughs> um, then you have a, a bench of Mac Etienne. It, I have not heard, like I've said, that anything, any rumor about him leaving at all that he's unhappy. Uh, Will McClendon, um, 
will be really interesting to see him after another year. Uh, Abramo Zonka. Ken Nuba has the added COVID year that he could use. And all I've ever heard from anyone close to the program saying, why would he leave? For one thing, he, he might need another year to get his degree. So that's motivation to stay. Um, you have, then you have the three freshmen, Sebastian Mack, Brandon Williams, and, and Devin Williams. I mean, that makes for a pretty exciting roster. You are losing, you know, the two mainstays of Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. And that's a big loss, obviously. But this team, if it's like this, made up this way, more younger, more, more inexperienced, but more talented. They would burn teams up defensively. They would set them on fire. So here's the thing about this year's UCLA team um, is it's elite defensively and you have Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins out there. And I don't mean that to like denigrate them because I think uh, to Mick Cronin's point, Tiger has done the absolute most he's done. He's been able to do with his physical, you know, what was, what he was given. Uh, Jaime is, you know, not an elite lateral athlete. Um, when he has to guard out on the perimeter, as you saw against Northwestern, he can be gotten unless he is locked in. And this is the thing with Jaime. He needs to be locked in 100% on defense. And when he is, he plays really well. When he is even at 85%, he's not a good defender. Um, and so if, if you think about a starting lineup that includes even just not even speculating about international guys, but if you think about a starting lineup that includes Dylan Andrews, uh, Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark, Adem Bona, and uh, one of Sebastian Mack or Will McClendon, whichever one. Or Abramazonka. Or Abramazonka, whatever. Uh, that's five guys who are plus defenders for their position. Uh, and I'm just projecting on Zonka, but I think it's a fair enough projection. He's clearly a good athlete. He clearly has the length to be disruptive. He's clearly shown already he's committed on that end. Uh, that's a... That's a defensive lineup that would be better than this year. Yeah. Um, the one thing that they do bring, Hawkes and Campbell, to defense, it's just a great sense of team defense. Sure. They know where they're supposed to be. They know where their teammates are supposed to be. They know where that pass is going to go. They know how this offense operates. So they there are less breakdowns defensively as a team with them in the game. Well, okay, to an extent when they are locked in, but they are also seniors. And for half this year, they were prone to senioritis on the defensive end where uh, Tiger Campbell would be calling out switches that were unnecessary because eh, I don't really want to fight through that screen. Mm, that's true. So I I think that is a starting lineup of, uh, I, I, I hate this terminology, but it, it totally fits. That is a starting lineup of dogs. Like these are guys who are going to, oh yeah, I want to, I want to make it so they don't score. Um, and you oh, know, what, you mean, you know what you else mean score that, a lot? No, no, no. I want to make it so they don't score. And you know what else that does? Yeah. Is even beyond the international guys who are high end talents, if UCLA does get them, like <laughs> I've said it, yeah, uh, there are two, I've talked about one, but there are two and they might be the two most talented guys that um, Mick Cronin will bring in to UCLA. Um, just say that. But beyond those, let's say they don't get them. Um, with that kind of defensive team, what it enables you to do is let's just go out in the transfer portal and get a 45% three-point shooter. Yeah. He doesn't even have to. If he's a little tough, great. But if he's not a great on-ball defender, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Because the other four guys on the court are dogs. Yep. And then you got this guy who's just knocking down threes. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about next year's roster, and we didn't know much. And now, I mean, with Jalen Clark, the status of Jalen Clark and the Dembona, we... We know quite a bit more. 
Yeah. Because more than likely, well, Jalen Clark is returning. He could be there for two more years. Um, yeah, and I, and the thing with Jalen Clark is we're projecting him into the lineup next year. If he's out until January or February, I think the – I mean, the thing I was forgetting, though, is he still does have the COVID year, too. So he could play part of next year and then also come back the next I year. I don't think there's almost a better scenario, seriously, that he comes back – it's January when he comes back. Because yeah, then and you've got back someone in. else who's playing in that role and getting better by playing 28 minutes a game. And then Jalen, then you add Jalen Clark yeah. to the team. I mean, I uh, do we care about those early season games? I'd rather, I'd I rather have, uh, that an international it. player come in and really cut his teeth and get really like, like what we've seen with Amari Bailey, right? Let him play. Let him let him learn how to play college basketball, and then watch it pay off. I have breaking news. You do. Jason Shear, two minutes ago, reports Arizona point guard Caracresa has or will enter the transfer portal. Damn it! I thought you were going to say was returning. He's entering the transfer portal. I don't know if you guys want to um, drape yourselves in black, pull close the curtains. Enter oh a period God. of mourning. This is this. I, so many positive things that were in this, in this broadcast. And so you, I guess Tracy, uh, you you've speak you've been speaking about impact transfers. <laughs> you know, you've talked this, about wanting to get a knockdown shooter. The most amazing. There's this is so interesting. This is so great. <laughs> um, he probably has some issues with the coaching staff because. The Arizona coaching staff are pretty decent human beings. (laughs) So he wants to transfer because he doesn't like his usage? I mean, dude, that coaching staff played you over a much better point guard. I mean, this is is beyond delusional. No, no, no. This is a push out. Okay. There's no way Tommy Lloyd was watching Boswell all year and said, yeah, I'm sticking with Creason next year. Okay, so it's a push out. Let's go with that. I like that. Um, who in their right mind will take Creesa? He's dropping down a level. There's no way he's going to get. Um, well, he's not going to get another elite high major. That's for sure. I mean, I could see. I mean, maybe maybe the guy who should he go him to him? Creton? No, maybe he should go to Xavier. Maybe the coach who originally recruited him still wants a you piece didn't get of that. The Creton. I got the Creed. Okay, sorry. Uh, but Xavier. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Ooh. Ooh. You want to go to an even softer Dave, program? I just you want to go to a softer you. program? I just tricked you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Uh, he's very Gonzaga. Um, anyway, uh, to the point That's about amazing. next. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, but, yeah, to the point about next year, um, I think despite Amari Bailey's emergence, um, and like due to the unfortunate reality of a couple of injuries that have happened in the last couple of weeks, the situation for next year's roster is, you know, it's, it's looking a little bit better. Um, and that's just, you know, it's an unfortunate reality because well with this team and that's, this is the thing that you can't allow yourself to think about, but I'm going to put it in your brain anyway, this year's team with Jalen Clark and a fully healthy and uh, ready to go a Bona right now, uh, would be the would be the favorites in any reasonable person's mind to cut down the nets. Yeah, you you qualified it there. Reasonable person's mind that cuts out eighty five percent of all college basketball. Totally, yeah, it's <coughs> it's true. But um, they like thinking about that team matching up against this Gonzaga team. It's like, oh well, whatever. It'll be fine. Or thinking about them matching up against UConn in the next round. It'd be like, okay, well, they'll have a Dembona against Sonogo, and then they'll just man up on those guards and make them beat them, and it'll be bad. And what's kind of funny is if we watched this team all year, and then I watched a lot of college basketball, and I kept saying to myself, yeah, UCLA's really got a chance to win a national championship. Um, Mostly because if you watch other teams – there's some, like I've been saying, there's some really bad basketball being played. Yeah. If you watch 
Just watch Alabama a few times. Yeah, man, they've got some high-flying guys. Wow. But damn, they play some bad basketball for long stretches in a game. And I would love to see UCLA's defense. I would love to see UCLA's nine turnovers a game match up against that. So here's, here's the beauty of this. Kind of playing a little bit with house money. As, as long as they got to the Sweet 16, even, you know, Elite Eight would be fantastic. But playing without Jalen Clark and playing with a Dembona who is missing a shoulder, I, I mean, this is an, this is, there are so many amazing things about it. It's an amazing coaching job. Um, remember, Jalen Clark went down there were some pundits that had them as a three and i think like even a four seed right yeah um and you could see a few times in games like uh, i'd say in northwestern when Jalen clark was missed just because of a defensive matchup but you could also make the case that they as a team they've played a little they've played better defensively overall right yeah so Wow. <laughs> and then a Dembona in his shoulder and Ken Nuba comes in and plays like he's been playing. I, you know, I know you said it, that with Jalen Clark and a Dembona, they would have fully healthy. They would have been the odds on, they should have been the odds on favorite to win a national championship. But are, are they not without him? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing. They, they've surprised us, surprised you and me even. We go, oh, Jalen Clark, wow. Adam Bona, wow. But okay. <laughs> it's going to – so the th- it's the same thing that we are – so here's the thing. If you want to look at it skeptically, we just saw the impact of losing Jalen Clark, and it was in that Northwestern game. That was not a good defensive showing for UCLA. Um, and it's only going to get more difficult from here. Like if you want to be critical, I think that's – that's a fair, actually, enough way to look at it. Uh, yeah, they dominated UNC Asheville. They played a great game against Arizona. But Northwestern, which is not a super talented team, uh, they scored over a point per possession on this defense. That's not great. Um, and now they face the best offense in the country. If if they somehow hold that team to about a point per possession, then I'm going to start raising my optimism flag again for this year. But as it is right now, I mean, whether, you know, whether a, uh, a Dembona's, you know, fully ready to go or whether he's still kind of limited and, you know, struggling with that shoulder, not having Jalen Clark, it's just, I think they're in the, you know, in the, yeah, decent enough chance realm. But um, I guess my point is I was pretty confident throughout the last month of the season that this was the favorite. Um, with Jalen Clark, Dembona, with everyone healthy. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, Houston looks really good. So they're probably the favorite. And then Alabama, you know, they're going to be – they they have a pretty uh, relatively easy path now to the Final Four. Um, and, you know, UConn looks pretty good. I think UConn's going to be a tough matchup too, even if UCLA gets past Gonzaga. And so that's where I'm just kind of like – it's a little bit of a – uh, preemptive disappointment almost, but yeah, they still have ab- absolutely and obviously have a chance. It's just, it's not, it's not the wide window that I thought it was going to be. It's now like, okay, yeah, if a few things break right, they can, they can still do this. But like I said, whatever they achieve now without Jalen Clark and with Dan Bona without a shoulder is pretty amazing. And now if you've got a takeaway from this broadcast, you got a lot to look forward to next year. It, it was kind of a little uncertain if they would have lost Jalen Clark, Dembona, Amari Bailey, all you know, a lot of guys they would would have had to have replaced. It, yeah, they could be loaded next year. Yeah, they could be better next year. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and I think they are in a house money situation, and this team, uh, this program, when it is in a house money situation, has uh, generally surprised. Generally speaking, uh, house money situation was the second half of Oregon when they blew them out. Yep. And it was that entire Arizona game when if literally like one shot goes in that didn't go in, 
uh, over the last three minutes, they win that game too. So fun times. Fun times. Going to be a fun game. Hope everyone enjoys it. And then uh, UCLA without... football is going to win the Pac-12 next year. So, wow, wow, <laughs> wow! Bold take. Hot takes with Tracy Pearson. Woo-hoo. I mean, new defensive coordinator who's going to be this young genius and come out with a scheme that surprises everyone and no one can match up against it. Yep, that's that's a thing. That's a thing that could happen. That's a that's a possibility. (laughs) Fun times. Fun times. You got anything else, Tracy? I'm done. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruno Port Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. See y'all later.